fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Would you rather have Chiefs, the Patriots, Saints, or the Rams? It's your Fantasy Football Today podcast. We're coming to you on Thursday, January 17th. I'm Jamie Eisenberg with Dave Richard and Heath Cummings. We are previewing the championship weekend. Championship Sunday. You guys fired up. We are two games away, four teams away from getting to Super Bowl 53, which will be on February 3rd, thankfully, on CBS. It's exciting times. Tough games to figure out. They should be they should be high-scoring blowouts, lots of points, but the playoffs haven't really delivered a lot of that for us this year. Yeah, I think the, the weather in Kansas City is something people have talked about a lot. It's going to be exciting regardless, but it does look like it's warming up there. If you get the Saints and Rams indoors and you get the Chiefs and Patriots like 25 degrees instead of 5 degrees, this could be one of the best weekends we've seen. Let's hope so. It's the top four scoring offenses in the NFL from the regular season. We will preview that, uh, the championship round in, in a little bit. Um, we got a lot to get to today. Um, What's coming up on today's show, we, uh, we're going to play a little game called Would You Rather Have. I'm going to give the guys a couple of scenarios with players in the playoffs and, and some draft uh, selections that they have to make, some rounds that they have to decide on, You know, kind of some of the questions you send in. So we'll play that game in a little bit. Go over some news and notes, the latest on Cam Newton with his shoulder, Leonard Fournette with his status with the Jaguars, and three new offensive coordinators in Detroit, Denver, and Jacksonville. We will preview each game, uh, give you some DFS plays for both FanDuel and DraftKings. The guys will give good buys and bad buys on each site. And then I promise, I know I've been saying it for a couple of shows now, but we will get to your emails. Uh, thank you guys for sending them in. You can email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Did I get that right, Dave? Yeah. Fantasyfootball at cbsi. Let's see, let's see how many emails we actually get to. Uh, I'm challenging you. You're challenging you got to get to at okay. least I have two. eight uh, for us to read today, so I hope to get to... All eight. All right. So let's play this little game. Uh, it's called Would You Rather Have. I'm trying to take uh, take the mantle from our buddy Adam Azer. This is who clearly is, an Adam Azer oh, game. Oh, for sure. Uh, no, it's actually my game, but uh, it, it's taking you know what he usually likes to do. Um, he uh, he yells at me when I send him the show notes every week that let's do something a little bit more topical for 2019 as opposed to just getting into stuff that's going on right now. So what I wanted to do is give you guys some scenarios of players in the playoffs using a couple of the drafts that we just have done. We did a PPR mock draft. We did a non-PPR mock draft. You could read about both of those on the site on CBSSports.com if you want the full results. What I did was I took some of the results of the players that are in the playoffs and giving you guys – I want to give you guys a couple of scenarios. This is more slanted toward PPR and just which player would you rather have given the draft value that they will potentially be in. So let's start at the quarterback position. So would you rather have Patrick Mahomes in round two – Drew Brees in round seven, Jared Goff in round 10, or Tom Brady in round 13? Dave, I'll start with you. I'll, I'll say Goff in round 10 is who I'd go with. Why? I, I liked what I've seen from him. haven't liked what I've seen from him over the last five or six games. Week but, 17 was good, <clears throat> but otherwise. But other than that, mm-hmm. he's been crapola. Mm-hmm. But earlier than that, <clears throat> excuse me, he's been great. He'll have Cooper Cup back, new wrinkles in the offense, and... uh Tremendous value in round 10. Keith, what about you? Golf is probably my answer. If it's the very last pick of the second round, I might say Mahomes. I'm not, I'm not going to spend an early second round pick on him, but if it's the very last pick, I might say Mahomes. But Golf, I mean, he threw for 4,600 yards this year, 32 touchdowns. That's phenomenal in round 10. I'm not sure he'll be there or not, but uh, I'll say Golf. Now, and, if you were in the middle of round two, it's Golf for sure. Okay. If it's the last pick or you're, next you're to last literally pick, talking twenty third overall, twenty fourth overall. I'll take Mahomes. That's your Mahomes yeah. And again, just uh, in terms of where Mahomes went in our most recent two drafts, he went in the beginning part of round two. I think it was fourteen or fifteen overall in the PPR mock draft. You took him Heath in the beginning part of the third round in the non PPR draft. So he's going to very uh, have a wide range of ADP depending on if it's an analyst draft versus a non analyst draft, and you know we'll see where he ends up. Also, four points for passing touchdowns versus six points for passing touchdowns. So with the running backs, there's a couple of different scenarios along with where the draft value will be because we have some things that we don't exactly know yet going into the offseason. So I'm going to give you the would you rather have, but I'm going to explain it a little bit. So would you rather have these running backs, Todd Gurley in the first round, but 
They have brought back CJ Anderson for the 2019 season. Damian Williams and Damian Williams in round three. If he's the star or as the starter, so he's the guy in Kansas City. They didn't add anybody. They didn't else. add anybody of significance. They okay. brought in just you know guys to be backups. Sony Michelle in round four. Remember this is PPR. Mark Ingram in round six, and this is not knowing where he's playing next year. So Gurley in round one with C.J. Anderson on the Rams. Damian Williams in round three with no one of significance on the Chiefs. Sony Michelle in round four or Mark Ingram in round six. Heath, I'll start with you this time. I just like trying to put in my mind where the time period is that I'm making this decision. That C.J. Anderson's already back. Damian Williams is definitely the starter, and Mark Ingram's out there in no man's land. But I'll go with Sony Michelle. Let's say it's uh, the NFL draft and Ingram has not been signed. Okay, I'll go with Sony Michelle. Um, I think round four for him is a pretty fantastic value. I think he's going to be a round two or three pick. In PPR. Even you in think PPR. think he'll be a round two guy in PPR. Round, round three. Because he was round, round four three. in non-PPR. Yeah, he needs to be a round three guy. Okay. It's Damian Williams. We're talking about an Andy Reid running back with... Uh, I still don't believe it. I, no, you have to believe it. This is the scenario that's played well, out. Well, you, you don't have to believe that he can be successful, but you can. Be, you have to believe that you he's, have to believe he's the guy. They didn't add any other running backs. They, uh, you know... After winning the Super Bowl, they decided to add different pieces. <laughs> They're going elsewhere. with Damian Williams, Spencer Ware, and Chuck Anderquist. Well, I don't know if Spencer Ware's there. I don't even care. Could be, it could be, it could be Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, and, uh, they bring back Kerwin Williams. So they just go with the all Williams backfield. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we've seen what he can do. We know what he's capable of. Nice track record to end the year. Great track record of Andy Reid with his running backs. And I'm getting him in round three. You're getting him round three. God bless you, James. Okay, there what you go. a gift. So you'll take Sony Michelle. You'll take Damien Williams again. This is some decisions that people may have to make. And Who then we go taking? to the wide receiver. I would take Damien Williams as well. Again, with the scenario of him being the the guy um, for the quarterbacks, I probably would actually take Breeze in round seven, just assuming that he's back with a full complement of wide receivers. May I ask one last thing quickly? Sure. No one took Gurley in round one. Is it because the C.J. Anderson split is real, and you're worried about him? Now not having that, so, you know, hammer lock sure. on all those touches um, in 2019. When I when I when I tried to put the group of running backs together, I thought, okay, do I do Gurley in round one or do I do Camara in round one? And I think Camara was probably going to be my guess is the fifth or sixth player off the board, depending on how we all view Christian McCaffrey being the fourth guy, uh, with Gurley, Zeke, and uh, Saquon Barkley as the top three in some order. Okay. Um, but I thought Gurley with C.J. Anderson, just based on the conversation we had on Monday, was a little bit more relevant. And with what you said, Heath, that you may drop Gurley down a couple spots if C.J. Anderson is back. Yeah, and I was thinking of it as I have the number one pick if I'm thinking about Gurley in round one. I, if he's there at three, then maybe the answer is Todd Gurley. Okay, fair enough. So uh, depending on how the draft goes and where you are picking right. in round one, also where you're picking round two when it comes to uh, Mahomes with the quarterbacks. All right, so I'll wrap this up with the wide receivers because there really are no tight ends in the playoffs that you're going to take outside of Travis Kelsey. Uh, would you rather have Michael Thomas in round one? Now, he went in round two in our two drafts, so we're pushing him up a little bit. Tyreek Hill in round two. Julian Edelman in round four. And you can flip-flop this if you guys want, if you want to put the Rams guys in round five. But I have Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods in round five. I think Edelman, just based on how he's finishing this season and what the receiving core looks like in New England next year, may be drafted ahead of the two Rams guys in PPR. So Michael Thomas in round one. Tyreek Hill in round two. Julian Edelman in round four. Or the combination, pick a Rams receiver, Cooks or Robert Woods in round five. Dave, go ahead. Uh, I'm actually going to see just how consistent uh, Edelman was in full PPR this past year. He had 10 of 13 games with either 90 yards or a touchdown. And remember, oh yeah, 10 of 13 games. Oh, I'm not even looking at PPR when I'm doing this. My bad. Doesn't matter about this. I'm going to take Michael Thomas. You're, you already have your answer. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm going to take Michael Thomas, and I just tweeted something out about this this morning. He has 10% more catches than any player in NFL history in his first three seasons. I knew that he broke the reception record that Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham shared. He has 33 more catches than those guys had in their first three years. If it's PPR, I'll take Thomas in the first. Okay. So, so just let me give you one scenario. What if Breeze retires? Well, then that would I would not want Michael Thomas. Then At I, all? The, well, not, not, not in the not first round. In this magical right. made-up scenario, is Breeze playing or not? Breeze is playing. Okay. If Breeze was out, then my choice would probably be Edelman. Wow, look at you. I mean, are we assuming the Patriots have added no other wide receivers? You know, I was thinking of this scenario. First off, if you're, the, if, someone. if you're the Patriots, you have to you have to at least offer a first-round pick for Antonio Brown because of where they pick and what he could potentially bring to them. The Steelers aren't going to no. do it. But if that's the only first-round pick on the table, 
They might. They might have to consider it. Maybe. It's the highest pick they get. Yeah, they might have to consider it. In any event, they will upgrade their receiving core. But Edelman, you know, is going to be heavily involved. <laughs> just thinking about Antonio Brown in that offense. Uh, so you're taking Michael Thomas. I'll take Michael Thomas. Under the, under the current standard. Okay, so I looked up how often uh, Julian Edelman had a top 12 type of finish in PPR, meaning he had at least 18 PPR fantasy points. He had it six times. It's not bad in 14 games. Tyreek Hill had more. Michael Thomas, I believe, had even more than that. I'm still going to go with Tyreek Hill. In I round think two. that he's just in round two. If it was Michael Thomas in round two, I'm taking Michael Thomas. Well, that's why but I didn't Tyreek put Michael Hill. Thomas in round two. That's he can have him in round one. I'll take Tyreek Hill in round two because you know his potential from week to week is just unbelievably good. And Tyreek Hill, I, I don't know this off the top of my head, but 137 targets, that's certainly the highest for him in the NFL so far. I wonder if that's among the league leaders for Andy Reid's offenses over the course of his time as a head coach because, again, he doesn't typically feature his number one guy mm-hmm. to the same level. And this is just me speculating. I do not know that to be true. I just think that might be among the highest of the most targeted number one receivers he's ever had. So that was fun. Uh, we'll probably do a little bit more of that as we get closer to – the Super Bowl with some of the other uh, with with the two teams. Maybe we'll we'll come up with some different scenarios as well. But um, uh, I hope Adam likes that playing a little game. He likes to play all those little. And if he doesn't, scenarios. too damn bad. That's right. Come He's host. too busy changing diapers come. and watching Netflix. <laughs> That's right. Come host the podcast. He told me when I called him last night. He said, uh, "All right, I got to go. The wife and I are going to go snuggle up on the couch and watch some television." So. I hope they enjoyed their programming. Um, some news and notes around the NFL, uh, a couple of players in particular. So ESPN is speculating that Cam Newton could potentially miss the 2019 season with his shoulder injury, similar to what happened with uh, Andrew Luck in 2017. I'm laughing because things in our, our podcast studio are falling apart, so uh, we'll have to have that fixed. Um, so this comes off of comments from Panthers owner David Tepper, who said, if you told me he took a year off and could recover and be fully recovered and everything else, and that's what it took, an extra year, why wouldn't you do that? And that was what Tepper said on Tuesday when he met with the media. So in our non-PPR mock draft, Cam Newton was drafted in round nine. He was the number seven quarterback off the board behind Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. That was too high for me. I took him as, I think, the 14th or 15th quarterback in the PPR draft, but that was in round 13. So knowing what we know now about Cam, that he missed the final two games of the regular season, that he has his shoulder problem, that there may be some potential for not just surgery, but missing the entire year for dynasty and keeper league owners, what's the approach, Heath? Wait and see. I mean, at this point, there's not really much you can do. I didn't, like reading all of Tepper's comments, I did not take it to mean that he thinks that Cam Newton is going to miss the season or that he's really considering that it's a possibility right now. He was just answering the question that was asked to him, and it started out as a question about what we saw Andrew Luck do this season. So I I didn't like the fact that that became a news story, and it makes you a little bit nervous. I don't think it's not a possibility, but I don't think it's particularly likely at this point. I hate that he just brought it up, though. Well, he didn't. Somebody asked him a question. But saying he, could have, you just saw... he could have shot it down if it was. Well, he was a he was being very candid in this uh, in this interview, which I think is very refreshing. But I think it's something that you have to consider if you're looking at Cam and and knowing that what happened to Andrew Luck again. We don't know if it's the same injury. We don't know what the same scenario is, or if it's the same scenario. But Luck got hurt in the 2015 season, week three. Then he suffered the kidney laceration. Came back in 2016, played through the shoulder injury, played the entire year. Tried. I had some more surgery in 2017. Couldn't get back from the recovery process and missed the entire season. So I think it's just from the standpoint of if he's not right and you're Tepper, don't throw him out there. If he's not right, you're going to have a setback maybe another year. Which makes me believe that if he is out there, he won't be at 100%. Unless he has surgery and the recovery process is fine. If he has surgery in the next few weeks and, okay, he gets through the recovery but we, process. we've been down that road before with him. But, but we don't know and, if it was the same thing. Right. We, we, All right. I, I, I'm getting nervous, though, you know. Okay, I'm, so there's two scenarios of this. If you're a Dynasty Keeper League owner and you're allowed to make trades now, do you try and get Cam cheap? Yes. How cheap? cheap it would have cheap, to be cheap. someone's freaking out like I'm freaking Look, out. Look, we, we know what rookie drafts tend to be. There, there's a handful of guys that go at the beginning Am of the Am I trading draft. a first-round pick in a rookie draft for Cam Newton right now, and I need the quarterback? If Absolutely, you're at the back end of the first round. I don't care where I am in the first round. With this year's draft, I'll give up 101 for Cam. But I'm not giving up. I'm not doing that. I'm not giving up a ton for Cam as far as established players on my. Would you trade Josh squad. Allen for Cam Newton right now? Yes. Would you trade Lamar Jackson for Cam Newton? I think I'd rather have Allen. I might trade Jackson. I might rather have Jackson. <laughs> so this is just the- that's funny. <laughs> uh, Sam Darnold. Rather have Darnold. I'd rather have Cam. Would you rather have Baker Mayfield? Yes. I think I'd rather have Baker. Okay. So we found someone that we. 
Yeah. Uh, and Josh Rosen, I think it's easy to trade Josh Rosen for Cam Newton at this point, just you know, not knowing what he's going to become in Cliff, Kling- Cliff Kingsbury's offense. All right, so we'll see what happens with Cam uh, as we get closer to the start of next season. If he has not had surgery, he's probably going to fall in a lot of drafts and on a lot of draft boards because of the fear of what could happen with the shoulder if he's not 100% right, and that will obviously impact probably everything outside of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Jaguars coach Doug Marone said Leonard Fournette is in a really good place following a team meeting last week. And Marone said to the Jaguars team website, we had a good meeting. I'm not going to speak for Leonard, but when he left that meeting, I think he's in a really good place. That's encouraging, and I'm excited about that. Fournette also was on apparently on the same page with Jaguar czar Tom Coughlin after they met, probably in the same meeting or, or in the same course of, of meetings to close the season. And in this latest non-PPR mock draft, he was drafted in terms of Fournette with the last pick in round three as the number 18 running back off the board. Dave, I know you've been very adamant that you're going to probably avoid Fournette in a lot of leagues next year. Is end of round three, 18th running back off the board, non-PPR too soon for you? Or now that you're hearing some of these things coming out of Jacksonville, you're getting a little bit more encouraged. It's not too soon. I think that that's a, a good enough spot for Fournette. I am concerned about how long he'll hold up for. I want to know what that offensive line is going to look like, but I think we can assume that it's going to come back stronger than it well, was I mean, at any point this two, year. Two arguably the, sure. the three best players. I mean, Linder got hurt. Yep. Uh, Norwell got hurt. Robinson right. got hurt. You know, yeah, they were, the whole they, left they were, and they middle were, of the offensive line they were was playing, shattered. I think four left tackles at one point. So I think the line will be better. We know there's going to be a quarterback change, but we do know who the new offensive coordinator is going to be in right. Jacksonville. And how did he do with Dalvin Cook this year? He just he got fired for not running enough. Right, exactly. So <laughs> well, and he I'm goes, a little I'm a little worried about Fournette, but having him as the 18th running back off the board, we're talking about the end of round three. He was the last pick in round three. I'm totally I, I I'd, I'd be okay with that. I'm not in love with it, but I'm okay with now, it. Now, now, Heath, before you answer, just just to let you know, in the first podcast that we did post season, both of you guys were not here. I did it with Will Brinson. Will said, which I tend to agree with, depending on where you get him. I think end of round three, round four ish is a good spot for Fournette. This is the type of player that if he's right, you win a league with. Because if he bounces back to what he showed you as a rookie, again, yards per carry was not good, but we know that what he was able to do when he got heavy volume of touches, he was very successful when he was on the field. He had a suspension during his rookie season. He missed time with injuries. But over 12 games, he could be a very successful fantasy running back with the right price. Sorry, Heath, go ahead. No, I agree with that completely. I'm fine with him at the end of the third, early fourth round. If he starts creeping into the second, then I'm gonna, it's going to be a hard pass for me. Yeah, it's just a matter. And again, format will be important too. Now he does have the ability and he's shown us at times that when he does get targets, he is a pretty decent pass catcher. Uh, but I think if he says what he says at the end of the season that he needs to be in better shape and the coaching staff, which is the same and the people in charge, which are the same are backing him and they don't bring in anybody of significance. Now we'll see what they do with Carlos Hyde, who they traded for, uh, in the middle of the season with the fifth round pick. If they decide to cut him, which is a speculation, if TJ Yeldon leaves as a free agent, that's certainly going to help. Leonard Fournette status, but they also could bring somebody else in. And the play caller and quarterback will be important. And Dave, you alluded to this. So uh, they hired John DiFilippo as their new offense coordinator. He was a Browns offensive coordinator in 2015, the Browns offense coordinator in 2015, Eagles quarterbacks coach 2016-2017, and 12 games as the Vikings offense coordinator this past year before being fired, as you guys have said. Um, just looking at it from the Fournette standpoint, he didn't want to run the ball very much with Dalvin Cook or did not appear to want to run the ball as much with Dalvin Cook. It's a very strange hire just given the circumstances because the team that seems like all they want to do is run the ball. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be, but there is speculation that based on his history with the Eagles, with Nick Foles, that they decide to maybe make a run at Foles. So if let's just say we'll, we'll, we'll jump ahead. Nick Foles is the quarterback for the Jaguars. This means what for the offense and means what for Leonard Fournette? Anything change or still end of third, beginning of fourth? That's the right spot for him. Yeah, I'm, I would, I'm drafting him there on the assumption that there's an upgrade at quarterback and that the offensive line comes back healthy in Jacksonville. Okay, so in terms of the passing game, let's just say it's Nick Foles. What does that mean? I assume they're going to add a receiver, too, I hope. Well, they're getting Marquise Lee back, you know, coming true. off the ACL that he suffered in the preseason. They have most likely losing Dante Moncrief, who signed a one-year deal. I believe he's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big loss. Then you, <laughs> then you have you know the young kids who are still going to be part of this with D.D. Westbrook and hopefully a better Keelan Cole. How about a better and a DJ better D.J. Shark. Shark? You know, so it's it's not an awful receiving core, and we'll see. I think Austin Safarian Jenkins signed a two-year deal when he signed with them last year. So uh, let's just assume those are the guys. Uh, Offense to avoid outside of Fournette. 
Probably. Westbrook yeah, late I, round pick. I, I, like, I, I like Westbrook quite a bit. And if he's got Foles and there's some buzz over the summer about how Foles and Westbrook are really working well together, then I could get excited about Westbrook in the 8th, ninth, 10th round. More PPR than non-PPR? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot still to be determined in Jacksonville, but you know they are starting to get things in place for Nick coming back and, and, and DeFilippo as the uh, offense coordinator. The Lions hired Daryl Bevel as their new offense coordinator. Bevel has been an offense coordinator with the Vikings from t- 2006 to 2010 and the Seahawks from 2011 to 2017. So he is a run-first guy. Uh, that seems to be the MO of what the Lions are going to try to establish with, you know, what they showed with Carry on Johnson and the offensive line moves that they made last season. But they still have Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. What does this mean for the Lions offense? I don't think it means anything bad for those guys. I think the offense will probably be a little more balanced under Bevel. I haven't crunched the numbers on Bevel's recent track record. But He's had some big games, big seasons from Brett Favre in Minnesota. Yeah, just, well, because it's Brett Favre. Right, they're, big they're seasons with in Russell the West Wilson. Coast scheme. It's... It's. I don't think it's going to change much. I just. I hope it means that it's carry on Johnson time and that he gets the type of workload that a second year back with his ability should get. I do think it's interesting because Bevel is like he had four years in Seattle where they were first, second, or third in rush attempts, but the last two years in Seattle they were really more pass heavy. They ranked higher in pass attempts than they did in rush attempts. So and, I, that, and that was with Marshawn Lynch gone. So right. That was at the Eddie Lacy, Chris Carson. Thomas Rawls, you know, experience. It will. I mean, I think what may determine it more than anything is how good the defense can be. But the offensive line's there. Carry on's awesome. If they decide to go run heavy, it'll be great for him. And what they did show is they could stop the run once they added Damon Harrison. So we'll see if they can improve their pass defense, and that would make things a little bit more nip and tuck throughout the course of the game. So yeah, Carry on Johnson. I think this is he's the biggest winner from Daryl Bevel becoming the offense coordinator there. The Broncos hire Rich Scangarello. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Nailed it. Um. Uh, as their new offensive coordinator, uh, he was just the 49ers quarterback coach. He's worked with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco and Atlanta, bounced around the college ranks quite a bit. So uh, initially it was Gary Kubiak. So we know that whoever's going to run the offense is probably going to run the offense because of Vic Fangio being a defense coordinator with his background. So the Broncos offense, let's assume Case Keenum's a starter right now and the receiving core kind of stays what it is with uh, and maybe at some point uh, – um, Healthy return of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, most likely, though, it's the young kids of Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, and Tim Patrick with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in the backfield. So, uh, Heath, your thoughts on the Broncos offense now? Anything change? Not really. I think they're going to probably be run heavy. That's what Fangio hire suggests to me as the, as the head coach, even if they're hiring a quarterback coach. I'm not excited really about the passing game. Deshaun could be good in PPR. Cortland Sutton still has a ton of upside, but he's going to have to show more than he did in the second half of this season. I'd get excited about Hamilton. I'd get excited about Phil Lindsay. This is going to be a West Coast offense in the mold of Kyle Shanahan that goes all the way back to his daddy, Mike Shanahan. And uh, it, it, this is what they were running before. I just think that they ended up being a little too conservative. Maybe because it was Case Keenum under center. Maybe it was because they traded away Demarius Thomas and then Emmanuel Sanders got hurt and they ended the year being forced to be a little more cautious with the football and cautious with their um, play calling. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about how this will turn out for Denver, but it, if it's still Case Keenum under center, you know what the risks are. He could turn the ball over four times in a game. Yeah, we'll see, and uh, we'll see if Fangio helps the defense because maybe giving them a little bit more time of possession, some more you know, just offensive plays, that will certainly help. Um, it's funny because Keenum was good for the offense in Minnesota two years ago and bad for the offense in Denver last year. So we'll see which case Keenum we get if, in fact, he is back as the uh, quarterback for the Broncos next year. They also could make a run at Nick Foles just given what, uh, what, what their scenario looks like and if they decide to move on from Keenum in 2019. Let's talk about SeatGeek. We love SeatGeek. It's a great way to save money. By the way, if you want to take $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, just download the app and use the code FFT. That's code FFT for $10 off your first purchase. I can't wait to start going to some NBA games now that the NFL season is wrapping up. You can go to NHL games. And spring training is right around the corner. You can also use SeatGeek for concerts and shows. I use it to go to Hamilton. Heath told you about getting you know, uh, some concert tickets for him and his wife. It's certainly something that you use not just for sporting events. SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites, grades every ticket based on value, saves you time, and saves you money, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. Remember, you can save $10. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FFT. That's promo code FFT for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. 
All right, Dave, here's the first two emails we're going to read. All sure. right, you're going to do right. it. Let's go. Dear Sanders, Skoronsky, Lily, and Hayes, and this is from uh, Andy from a city with lots of lakes around it. A city with lots of lakes around it. No, you got a city with a lot of lakes around it. First one that came to my mind was Minneapolis. Uh, I'm going to guess it, Minneapolis. It's the land of lakes. Yeah. The land of lakes. Well, that's uh, Minnesota is the land of lakes. Is Minneapolis the city of lakes? Let's just go with it. All right. And I have no idea who Sanders, Skaronsky, Lillian Hayes are. Lillian Hayes are cowboys, if I recall. Oh, Dion? Could be Sanders? Could be. Yeah, very well could be. Buster Buster Skaronsky. Bob Skaronsky is a former Packer. Okay. Corners? Uh, No, this guy looked like he played on the line. (laughs) Anyway. I don't uh, know if I've got the connection between these guys. Uh, Andy, you can write us back and, uh, and tell us again. You can email us at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. All right, so Andy wants to know, please pick one for a one. Oh, they're one... Bobs. They're all Bobs. Bob Sanders, Bob Skaronsky, Bob Lilly, and Bob Hayes. Sounds good. All right, please pick one for a one-keeper PPR league. Travis Kelsey in the third round, Philip Lindsay in the eighth round, or Robert Woods in the ninth round. So one-keeper PPR league. Who you got, Heath? Lindsay in the eighth. Dave, I'm too busy looking up Bob's. Uh, I'm, I'll probably say Lindsay in the eighth as well. That's really good value. I'm going to take Lindsay in the eighth as well for a clean sweep. And Matthew wants to know. Uh, Matthew does not say a city. Pick a city. Park City, Utah. All right, Matthew from Park City, Utah wants to know. Pick two. Uh, James Conner for an eighth rounder. Sony Michelle for a seventh rounder. Or Christian McCaffrey in the first round. Let's assume it's PPR. I'll take Conner and Michelle. It's too good a value to pass up. McCaffrey's going to be a first-rounder. Anyway, you could potentially still draft McCaffrey, depending on where you pick. And we are going to get into the championship round preview right after this. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, so the championship games, it's the AFC and the NFC championship games. These are the top four scoring offenses in the NFL from the regular season. You have Kansas City number one, the Rams number two, New Orleans number three, New England at number four, and both of these games are rematches. We'll start with the AFC. So you have the Patriots at the Chiefs. Who do you guys got? Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Patriots uh, just because it's my preseason prediction. I'm going to stand by it. But if you I would didn't not predict surprised. it, would you still take the Patriots? Uh, I would take the Patriots to the points. I'd probably take the Chiefs to win. I think they are three and a half point favorites or four and a half point favorites. Um, but I think it's going to be a great game, and I don't think the weather is going to be an impact. But the Patriots nope. beat the Looks Chiefs. Like it's getting better. Yep, Patriots beat, beat the Chiefs 43-40 in New England in Week Six. In that week, Patrick Mahomes was the number two fantasy quarterback. Tom Brady was the number 12 quarterback. They had, at the time, Kareem Hunt, who was the number four running back in non-PPR leagues. And Sony Michelle was number six. Uh, Tyreek Hill was the number one receiver. He scored three touchdowns. That was a non-PPR. And Julian Edelman was number 19. So Mahomes that game, 352 passing yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Brady, who is playing in his amazingly eighth straight AFC championship game, uh, he had in that game... 323 fantasy points on 340 passing yards, one touchdown, and he also scored on the ground. Um, Phillip Rivers last week against the Patriots had 300 
and 31 passing yards, scored 31 fantasy points. He's the only quarterback to top 17 points in the last four games against New England. And Kansas City has allowed five quarterbacks to score at least 21 fantasy points in the past seven games. The quarterback you like best in this game is who? The quarterback I like best in this game is Patrick Mahomes because he's been awesome. It's it's a tough secondary for him to throw on, but I think Tyreek Hill is going to be a major equalizer. I think Kelsey could have a real good game. But the thing that stood out to me, the Patriots rank last among the last four teams in sacks this season. I think they're right around 35 sacks. I don't have it in front of me. Chiefs have racked up 55 That's from the regular sacks, season? Regular oh. and post. Okay. Chiefs, regular season in one post game or postseason game. 55 sacks, and you know how big of a factor that was against the Colts' offensive line last week, and that's one of the best in football. So I, I think that's going to matter. I, I, that's what pushed me toward taking Kansas City. If there's one thing that I stick with uh, when I pick a playoff game, it's pass rush. I think that matters a lot this time of year. And the Chiefs have got the most quarterback pressures at home this year. They've been amazing. Like A-team. Yep. And it's really interesting because both these defenses have been very good at home and just atrocious on the road. And the Patriots gave up 40 in New England to this offense. I think they're the 31st defense on the road. So I, I'll definitely take Mahomes. Uh, and we'll see what about value when we get to some of the DFS previews. So the running backs in this game, you have Sony Michel. He's coming off a monster performance, 24 carries for 129 yards and three touchdowns against the Chargers. When these teams met in week six, he had 24 carries for 106 yards and two touchdowns. And then Damien Williams is coming off his amazing performance. Maybe Heath will buy in now, but uh, 25 mm-hmm. carries for 129 yards and a touchdown against the Colts with five catches for 25 yards on six targets. I don't want to forget about James White, who... Uh, <laughs> This is just the stat line is amazing. 15 catches for 97 yards on 17 targets against the Chargers. In week six, he had six carries for 39 yards and five catches for 53 yards. So I'll say again, rank the running backs in this game based on the three guys, Michelle, Williams, and James White. For me, it's Williams, then Michelle, then James White. White's third for me this week. I think it's a little bit of a NPPR matchup. Uh, yeah, I think so. I just, I think the way that Sony's running the ball, the opportunities that he's been getting, and the Chiefs have allowed five rushing touchdowns in their last six games to running backs, well over four yards per carry. I, I think that this is exploitable, and I think that Sony is going to continue to see a lot of work for the Patriots. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I like – and this kind of goes back to what I think about the whole Patriots offense in this game. I don't know that they have anybody at all that can scare you deep. And so I kind of expect the Chiefs to just put a lot of guys – I mean – Watch Julian Edelman, watch James White in the passing game, and just shut down the, the run game. So, I, but don't I, you think every defense does that with them? I mean, they don't really have a lot of guys that have scared you deep throughout the course of their history. You know, Randy Moss, obviously, but since right. him, I mean, it's kind of been you know a Brandon Lloyd here, a Josh Gordon there. You know, it's not like that's their offense. Right. I don't think most teams have the pass rush that the Chiefs have in this building. True, no. but that also lends itself to Tom Brady ball out quick, which is Edelman and James White. And exactly. Yeah, I think White's wrong. better than Michelle. I think I think Williams is the clear number one. White's the clear number two, and I think Sony might struggle a if, little bit. If they can't get the run established early, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Sony Michelle. So he makes me a little bit nervous. But if he does get going, then it's going to be a lot of Sony Michelle. And what they did against the Chargers with Gronk as an extra offensive lineman that was impressive with how they ran the ball against that Chargers defense. But this is a much different defense in their building, so we'll see how that goes. All right, the wide receivers are certainly interesting. You have the two headliners in Tyreek Hill and and Julian Edelman Hill. One of the best games that he had all season, seven catches for 142 yards and three touchdowns on 12 targets in week six. And Julian Edelman did score against the Chiefs, but he only had four catches for 54 yards in the touchdown that game. Now Edelman's coming off a strong game, nine catches for 151 yards. He actually set the, uh, became the number two leader in receptions in playoff history behind, no surprise, Jerry Weiss, Jerry Rice. He passed, uh, Reggie Wayne, uh, for, for, to move into second. Um, and then you have the two secondary receivers for the, the, the two respective teams. Now, obviously, there are other players here, but just in looking at it, Sammy Watkins came back last week after missing the final five games of the regular season, had six catches for 62 yards on eight targets against the Colts, while Philip Dorsett had uh, a, a pretty good game for him in the playoffs against the Chargers, four catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown on five targets. Now, he, had, he has six games this season with at least five targets, and he scored at least 14 PPR points in four of them. So looking at the receivers, how do you sort of approach it with these two teams? 
Well, Tyreek Hill is going to be the most explosive one, obviously, in the game. So I would put him first. And I think the But he Patriots wasn't great last have... week, though. I mean, he, he was good in terms of his volume yeah. and catches, but 8 for 72. Well, the, he the had Colts... 100 total yards and the, the rushing touchdown. Sure, I mean, but you, you got call a... the rushing touchdown fluky. But in terms of the Colts containing him, the Patriots will probably do a much better job containing him than they did the first time. Well, I would hope so. They allowed three touchdowns the last time they played against him. So for the Patriots' sake, I hope they do. But I don't think that they're going to be able to do it so easily. I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, let Stephon Gilmore line up against Tyreek Hill, and that just takes him out of the game. I, I don't think they've got a defensive back that can run with Tyreek Hill. And there's going to be – they're going to try – the Chiefs are going to try and scheme him across the middle, the deep ball, screens, runs, everything. They're going to get a lot of Tyreek Hill. He's my favorite. Uh, Edelman is going to be my number two favorite, and I like the matchup for him against Kendall Fuller in the slot. And then finding that third receiver – is going to be tricky, but I'm going to go with Philip Dorsett. I think he, I think he's the best shot the Patriots have on the outside. And a real interesting thing here: the two outside corners for Kansas City. One is Charvarius Ward, who he, I don't know how long you've known about him, Heath. I've only learned about he's him. He's been good lately. in the last couple of weeks. He's been he's allowed a high catch rate, but he's been good otherwise. The other corner is Stephen Nelson, and if you've been paying attention, he's been dreadful. He's allowed a ton of touchdowns, and I would imagine the Patriots are going to try and draw things up to score on him in the red zone. I would assume that that would be Dorsett getting those opportunities ahead of Hogan in that spot. And Dorsett's real cheap and daily. He's so the best sleeper you can I, find. I, I think he's somebody that you put in your lineup so that you can afford some of these sure. other great Again, players. Again, the, the track record speaks for itself. Uh, six games with five targets, and four of those he's hit at least 14 or more PPR points. So he's been very consistent when he's been getting those five-plus targets. I think the Chiefs receivers are really interesting. I don't I don't know that it's that far-fetched that Sammy's better than Hill in this game. It just depends on what Bill Belichick wants to do. Because Belichick could come close to taking Tyreek Hill away. If he does, I expect Watkins is going to have a monster game. Because he's been pretty good when they've thrown him the ball and he's been healthy. So I th- I think one of the Chiefs receivers will be better than Julian Edelman, but I don't know which one. And um, Hill definitely has the most upside. And then you go to the tight ends, and this is kind of where Belichick has taken away somebody. He's done a pretty good job in the three matchups against Travis Kelsey. The first time they faced him, uh, when Kelsey was was uh, first or second year, he scored a touchdown against them. But in three career meetings against them, 18 catches, 194 yards in a touchdown. And in week six, five catches for 61 yards. So while Mahomes was going crazy... Kelsey still got nine targets, but didn't have a big game because the Patriots kept everything in front of them with Kelsey. So he's coming off a game with seven catches for 108 yards on 10 targets. Now at home, in nine games at home, including the playoffs, he's averaging 15.3 PPR points. So he's pretty successful when he plays in Arrowhead. The other side, the guy used to be pretty successful in the playoffs, uh, might be playing his last game. There are reports that Rob Gronkowski could retire after the season. So if the Patriots do lose, this could be the last time we see Rob Gronkowski. He's coming off a terrible performance, one catch for 25 yards, on one target, but he was really used more for blocking than he was for receiving against the Chargers. But the last time he placed the Chiefs, three catches for 97 yards on four targets, so one of his better games this year. Obviously, Kelsey's the best tight end left in the playoffs. Is Gronk st- still the number two? Yes. Uh, the answer is yes. He is I, I mean, he, the number two. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to bet a lot of money on Gronk finishing number two this week. Right. But he he's still the second best. I, Eric Berry's most likely going to be back for this game. That might not be a good thing for I, the Chiefs. Like I don't, know, I don't know. Yeah. He hasn't been able to play a full game, but the snaps that he's played, the defense has been a lot better. I think he does a lot in terms of just telling everybody not what they're supposed the Chiefs, to be though. doing. Yeah, I mean, not against the Seahawks. Excuse me, that Seahawks right. game, Barry was not playing very well. Uh, I, I'm not going to play Gronk in DFS this week. I am. What if I told you that he ran the most pass routes? Uh, he tied for the most pass Did routes. Did you just he's use run. air quotes for the word "ran"? Uh, yes. <laughs> In his since since he got hurt, forty pass routes last week on seventy seven snaps. Yes, he was certainly a great blocker. They made plenty of notes on it on the broadcast, but it's not like he was a total non factor in the game. Well, he was a total non factor in the game well, from but, from what the things that matter okay, in terms of targets. That's my and what fault is... for saying that he wasn't a total. <laughs> he was a non factor in the game, but he wasn't a non factor in terms of being a possible outlet in in the passing game. And I think, but Brady's not even looking at him. Well. Maybe I mean, he, you can run I, as many routes as you know. want. Who cares? Was he double covered? Maybe Who there's knows? a reason why. When he was double covered in the past, that wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Well, if you're still being double covered, Brady's smart enough to go to a different guy like James White, who doesn't typically get 15 catches a game. I think Gronk can bounce back against Kansas City. I think that at the price that he's at in daily, it's not bad. He's cheaper than he's ever been, I believe. 
And I think he's got some potential here, and I think the Patriots are going to have to put points up on the board. They're going to have to score. They're going to have to lean on Brady a little bit. And I think Gronk in the red zone could come through. I know it's not popular to say everybody's ready oh, to, no, I, I, to I write him off. And I don't, send I don't him disagree with you based on, based, based on the, uh, the price tag because if it, it comes down for me. I think that the Patriots are going to try and take away Kelsey. And so if you don't want to spend the money on Kelsey, again, his home track record is great. His track record against the Patriots and what the Patriots tend to do, not so great. So I think it comes down to if you're looking at Kelsey and the guys in the price range that Kelsey's in, Tyreek Hill, Julian Edelman, players like that, it makes more sense to go with those guys. And then you have to sort of play the guessing game at tight end, which is does Gronk have some opportunities? Does Benjamin Watson, who we'll talk about in a second, who scored against the Rams the first time these two teams met? Or pick your favorite Rams tight end. It comes down to who has the most upside. I still think Gronk has the most upside. Like you said, Heath, I wouldn't want to bet that he's the second best tight end, but going in, he's the second best tight end, and he's obviously a lot cheaper on both sites than Kelsey. We'll get to that in a second. So let's go down to the Rams and Chiefs in the NFC Championship game. Uh, In Week 9, the Saints beat the Rams 45-35. That was in New Orleans. For that week, Drew Brees was the number one quarterback in fantasy. Jared Goff was number three. Alvin Kamara was the number two running back in non-PPR leagues. Todd Gurley was number 13. Michael Thomas, the number one wide receiver. Brandon Cooks was number six. Cooper Cup, who was healthy at the time, was number eight. And Benjamin Watson was the number six tight end in non-PPR league. So obviously the score lends itself to all these guys playing at a very high level. Let's start with the quarterbacks there. So Breeze in that game, 346 yards and four touchdowns. Again, that was week nine. We've seen a lot of different Drew Breezes over the course of the uh, remaining uh, games, including the playoffs. But that 38-point day was tied for his second-best total of the season. He had 45 points against Atlanta in Week 3 and 38 uh, against Philadelphia in Week 11. And then you have Jared Goff, who also had his best game on the road that game at New Orleans in Week 9. 34 fantasy points on 391 passing yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. He is coming off an eight-point fantasy game, and he's averaging just 15.5 fantasy points on the road this year. So how do you look at these two quarterbacks? I actually think I prefer Goff. I definitely prefer Goff in DFS because he's just a little bit cheaper, and I don't know that there's going to be a huge difference. I expect both quarterbacks to be good. And if I'm playing a quarter, the quarterback I'm playing is probably coming from this game this week. It's probably going to be Breeze or Goff, but I think Goff throws the ball more than Breeze does. I don't think the Rams have the same success running the ball they did last week. Now, our, our colleague, Drink, Pete Prisco, um, uh, thinks that without um, Sheldon Rankins in there. You are going to see a lot of running from the Rams, and just given what happened to Sean McVay in the playoffs last year, how he won the game last week, and with the two running backs playing how they are, plus what Goff has done on the road. I understand theory, but I think I- I'm with you. I think the Saints are actually playing with a lead in this game, and the Rams are chasing points. So I think you're going to see Goff have to throw, but we'll see if he has the same success based on how he's been on the road. Goff scares me. Don't like how he's played in the last couple of weeks. And I, I think the Rams have really kind of uncovered that their run game is very good. I'm sure that they're going to try to attack right where Sheldon Rankins used to line up. Uh, Saints have some defensive depth there, but I don't think they're necessarily as good as Sheldon Rankins. But I don't think I don't think their run defense just falls apart and all of a sudden Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson have another hundred and however many yards each. Uh, the thing that stood out to me about the are we talking about the running backs or just the quarterbacks? Quarterbacks. All right, Breeze. Easy, safest call you can make this week in daily. Yep, coming off a 22-point game against the Eagles last week. Uh, ugly throw to open the game, but he re- rebounded well to go over 300 passing yards and two touchdowns. Um, let's look at the running backs now. So you have Alvin Kamara against the Rams in Week 9, 19 carries for 82 yards and two touchdowns, four catches for 34 yards and a touchdown on five targets. Uh, he had 14 PPR points last week against the Eagles, and he scored at least 14 PPR points in five games in a row. Mark Ingram, however... Scored single digits in PPR in five of his past seven games. He has not been playing well, and he was terrible against the Rams with nine carries for 33 yards and one catch for three yards on two targets with a fumble. The Rams have actually allowed a running back to score or gain at least 100 total yards in five games in a row. And uh, talked about this, Gurley and Anderson coming off uh, a monster game against Dallas, 39 carries for 238 yards and three touchdowns. And no Sheldon Rankins against the Saints in Week 9. Gurley had 13 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. He had six catches for 11 yards, but he did have seven targets in that game. Um, New Orleans has allowed just two running backs, two touchdowns to opposing running backs in their last five games. So a lot of people are going to be excited about Anderson. I would say stay away. Head for the hills. Most of his work came in the fourth quarter. 15 of his 34 snaps and nine of his carries came in the fourth quarter, including his second touchdown. He had the first touchdown early on. That's great. Gurley played four of 45 snaps in the fourth quarter and two carries. 
And even though it was a one-score game, the Rams had a pretty commanding lead going into the second half. So I, I think part of it is the Rams realizing, hey, C.J. Anderson, you're, you're playing pretty well. You can finish off the game. Todd Gurley had a conditioning issue. Hopefully he's over that now. I think Gurley sees far and away the most work here, especially if they're chasing points. Yeah, I like Gurley more than Anderson, but I like Kamara more than, more than both of them. Me too. Same. So I, the, the, what I, I, the one that's really interesting to me is Mark Ingram because he hasn't, he wasn't good against the Rams and he hasn't been good as of late, but there hasn't been a lot of predictability about when Mark Ingram is going to be good. I mean, he was good on the road for a couple of weeks and then he had a terrible road game. Um, I, I kind of think Ingram at 6,100 on FanDuel could be, could be a really good flex play. If you want to go cheap, it's not a bad option. And all he takes is him scoring a touchdown, you know, cause he's probably going to get somewhere eight to 12 carries and, you know, a couple catches out of the backfield. But yes, he has been terrible. This could be his last game with the Rams, excuse me, with the Saints against the Rams. Uh, he is a free agent after the season. He's talking like he wants to come back though. I'm he'll, sure he'll do he does. Anything he can to come. He wants to stay with yes. one team his whole career. I'm sure he does. He will be 30 uh, going into next season. For the receivers, Michael Thomas has just been an absolute star at home with Drew Brees. Uh, he's averaging 25.8 PPR points in the eight home games that Brees has played this season. Brees did not play in week 17. Uh, Thomas did in that loss against Carolina. Thomas just had 35 PPR points against the Eagles in the divisional round with 12 catches for 171 yards and a touchdown on 16 targets. And he had 12 catches for 211 yards and a touchdown on 15 targets against the Rams. For the other Saints receivers, Ted Ginn coming off bad game. Traquan Smith, same thing. Keith Kirkwood scored a touchdown. Now the only player who played in the game against the Rams earlier this season was Traquan Smith. He had two catches for 23 yards on three targets, but he scored a touchdown. Then you have the Saints. So you have the, uh, excuse me, the Rams, excuse me. Um, uh, they had three guys get at least 12 PPR points in that first game. Cooks had 23 points. Cup had 19 points. Woods had 12 points. As we know, Cup is out with the torn ACL, but Cooks had six catches for 114 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. That was uh, against a team that drafted him in 2014. So if you want to go with the revenge game factor, we'll see if that factors again. And then Robert Woods, five catches for 71 yards on nine targets. Both Woods and Cooper coming off games where they had under 70 yards receiving against the Cowboys last week. Yeah, I'm not. I struggle with these receivers. I think you don't. It's Thomas like, is the best. That's easy. Well, yes, yeah. yes, but the Rams receivers are really difficult because it wouldn't be all that surprising if Josh Reynolds scores two touchdowns. <laughs> it right. wouldn't be that surprising if Brandon Cooks in a revenge game goes takes the top off the defense one time, and Woods is probably going to lead them in targets and receptions. I'm not currently planning on playing any of the three in DFS. I like Woods. I like the matchup in the slot against PJ Williams. I think that's where he'll be the most, and I think he can pick up some good numbers there he he typically gets a lot of targets to begin with too i'll, I'll lean on woods. oh woods is very consistent but is it's it's the high floor versus the low ceiling because if he doesn't score then you're not getting a great but game, isn't it but like that with everybody here? well cooks i think has the higher ceiling just based on what his touchdown potential is so okay um i'll take my chances with cooks uh again playing on a surface that he's had a lot of success on against a team that he probably wants to have success against and so he has already the track record of doing it once before um for the tight ends, uh, not a lot to speak of. This is uh, potentially Benjamin Watson's last game. He will retire after the season, so whenever their season is over, so will Watson's career. He had one catch for 12 yards on one target last week, but he did have three catches for 62 yards and a touchdown on four targets against the Rams in Week 9. For the Rams guys, Tyler Higby had two catches for 30 yards on four targets against the Cowboys last week. Everett did not have a target, uh, but in Week 9, the two tight ends combined for five catches for 88 yards on nine targets. Everett was the more productive of the two there with three catches for 48 yards on five targets. If you want to go cheap at tight end, which of these guys do you like the best? I guess I'll take Everett. He ran more routes last week than Higby. Higby plays more every week, but he does a lot of blocking. Uh, Saints have allowed some touchdowns to tight ends lately, but it's been a little fluky. One was on a trick play. One was against backups. That was against Carolina. And Cameron Brake caught two of them. Uh, I don't. I don't like any tight end other than Kelsey or Gronk this week. I don't want to start any tight end in this game. Everett, I guess you're, you're putting a gun to my head. Uh, him, Everett. Yeah, <laughs> but not like I'm not. I'm not planning on playing a tight end in this game either. Yeah, it uh, to me tight end feels almost like a punt play this week. It's just whatever you get, you get. Uh, well, if it's a punt play, then you would take one of these punting guys. as in I'm I'm avoiding. So if you were going to do, I'm, I'm not worried about Ted. I'm, I'm going to play Ben Watson or or Hickey okay. or. So or you are going to go with one of the guys. Yeah, I, I don't care. I, I, I'm not. I'm not spending the money on Kelsey. Are you so interested I'll take in Josh Hill? No. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll take my chances with Watson, maybe with a swan song his last game in New Orleans because okay. they are done. Hill ran more routes last week. Played just about as many snaps as Watson. Sure. 
And I believe he's cheaper. Um, like, if you're going to punt, let's is. punt. Probably is, but I'll take Watson's potential to score. Oh, I've got a punt for you, Dave. Just wait till we get to the lineups. Okay, let's go to uh, <laughs> some good buys and bad is buys. Is there a receiver for... that we haven't talked about? Yes. Okay. Okay, let's go to some good buys K-K. and bad buys for the uh, for the championship round if you play on FanDuel and DraftKings. So, Heath, start us off with some good buys on, draft, on FanDuel. Excuse me. Uh, I'm playing Damian Williams. For sure. So he's he's in my lineup. I like the value for a couple of $5,500 wide receivers. Sammy Watkins, we talked about that earlier. I think there's a ton of upside there. And listen, Ted Ginn was the chalk punt receiver last week, and he kind of busted. But he only busted because of a bad Drew Brees throw, and you don't want to count on those. So I I like Ted Ginn's value as well. They tried to get him going. And last week on FanDuel, he was at the cheapest price possible. You had to use He's Ted probably going to see a lot of Marcus Peters. And his price went up as well. Um I don't mind getting at 4,300 on DraftKings, but Dorsett's at 3,900. I can't resist that. I love that value. Edelman at 6,600. If he gets you 20 PPR uh, points plus the bonus at 100 yards if he gets there, which I think I will, I think he's a good one too. Those would be my two favorite good buys. All right, give me some bad buys on DraftKings. Well, Garrett, Jared Goff at 5,400 makes me nervous. I know it's the cheapest price for a quarterback this week, but you can spend up a little bit and get – you can get Brady, you can get Breeze, or you can spend up a lot and get Patrick Mahomes. I would go in one of those other directions than Goff. And, Jamie, I know you're going to take one of those cheap tight ends, but any tight end other than Kelsey or Gronk this week is a bad buy, in my opinion, because I just don't think they're going to be even good for six points. I'd rather take my chances and, and just get – I, I want to get just production, period. And that's why Kelsey's going to be my tight end. I know he's expensive, but I know I'm going to get something, something better than six points from Travis Kelsey. So I've got uh, Todd Gurley uh, on FanDuel. He is the most expensive running back. I'd rather play Alvin Kamara. I think I'd, I think I'd rather play. I definitely rather play Damian Williams for the money. Uh, I don't like Tom Brady, and I don't like Rob Gronkowski. Okay, so there's some good buys and bad buys. All right, Heath, hit me with your lineup on FanDuel. So I've got Jared Goff, Damian Williams, James White, Julian Edelman, Michael Thomas. Sammy Watkins, Mark Ingram in the flex, the most expensive defense, the New Orleans Saints. If you're going to punt at tight end, go all the way. You're just hoping the guy happens to catch a random touchdown. I'm going with Demetrius Harris. <laughs> uh, the backup tight end in nice. Kansas City. All right, Dave, give me Not a lineup. Not bad. On, he on, can do that. Give me a lineup on drafting. Uh, I've got Drew Brees at quarterback at 5,900. He's safe. I'm going to stay away from the stud running backs. I do like Alvin Kamara, but I'm going to go with Damian Williams and Sony Michelle to give myself some money to spend at other positions. And I'll do it with Tyreek Hill, Julian Edelman, and Philip Dorsett at wide receiver. And then double tight end, Jamie. Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski. Oof. Gronk in the flex at 4100 That price is cheap. That's my punt play. Saints defense, 2700 I figure no one's going to take them because they're the most expensive DST. Uh, I have the Saints DST as well on DraftKings. I just the defense and tight end to me is a waste this week. So I'm going to go Drew Brees at quarterback, Alvin Kamara and Damian Williams at running back, Michael Thomas, Julian Elliman, and Brandon Cooks at wide receiver. I'll play Watson at tight end just with the hope that he scores. James White at the flex spot, and again the Saints DST. All right, let's go now to some emails. Uh, I promised we would get to it, and here we go. Ben from a town in Somerset, England. Come on, Dave. In Somerset, England. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You don't know any towns in Somerset, England? You name one. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of them. I don't know how I'd name my favorite. Um, how about Somerton? Okay, Somerton in Somerset, England. So here we go, Ben. Hi, Sean, Roger, Pierce, and Daniel. That would be 007s. Uh, keeper question. 10-team, full-point PPR. I can keep up to three, no-round designation. So three guys from James Conner, Joe Mixon, Devontae Freeman, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Green, and Zachert. So it's a 10-team league, full PPR, and can keep three guys. James Conner, Joe Mixon, Devontae Freeman, Michael Thomas, Juju, A.J. Green, and Zachert. I'm going to rule out Devontae Freeman. So give me three from Conner, Mixon, Thomas, Juju, Green, and Ertz. I don't think I'm going to draft them in this order, but I love the idea of starting with Thomas, Juju, and Ertz. In PPR... That's 300 catches right there. No running backs. Thomas, Juju, and Ertz. What do you got, Heath? Uh, In a 10-team league, I'll be able to find running backs. Yeah, I was going to go. I've got it narrowed down to four. Connor, Mixon, Thomas, and Juju. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm keeping Thomas for sure. And I think I'd go with the two running backs, Connor and Mixon. I'm going to go that way as well. I'm going to go Connor, Mixon, and Michael Thomas. Uh, From Alex. Alex wants to know, or pick a city, Dave. Uh, Cheddar, England. Cheddar, Somerset, 
England. Okay. Alex and uh, Ben can go hang out. Uh, 14-team Dynasty Half PPR League. Please help me choose two of the following three to keep for 2019. So 14-team Dynasty League Half PPR. Jarvis Landry, Pro Bowl wide receiver in round six. Curtis Samuel in round 11, who may not have a quarterback based on Cam Newton's shoulder situation. Kyle Allen, man. Come on. Or Kiki QT in round 13. Landry in round six. Samuel in round 11. Kiki in round 13. I'm a little confused by being a dynasty league, and then he lists the rounds in which he, like, does the round even matter? Because in a dynasty league, the round never, ever matters. You're keeping these guys forever. Some people get confused between what keeper and dynasty. Like so this let's is just, a keeper league. Keeper. I'm throwing back Landry. Do you get extra draft picks if you just throw them all back? Um, Maybe. Yeah, I I don't. I'm keeping QT and Samuel. So throw him back Landry. I'll keep Landry just based on being a sure thing and hopefully the upgrade in uh, play calling across the course of the season with Todd Monk in there and seeing what else they add. So I'll keep Landry and QT with uh, Samuel making me a little bit nervous with the shoulder for Cam Newton next year. All right, grade the trade from Brian. So Brian is from? Glastonbury, England. Okay, so Brian, Alex, and Ben can all hang out. Uh, Dear Violet, Dash, Jack, Jack, and Frozone. That is characters from Incredibles. Uh, So in the Dynasty League, he traded. uh, It's a half PPR league, 10 teams. He traded Devontae Adams and Joe Mixon, and he got back Keenan Allen and Nick Chubb. Great trade. Giving up Devontae Adams and Joe Mixon, getting back Keenan Allen and Nick Chubb. I'd rather have Adams and Mixon. I think it's pretty close to a push. I'd rather have Chubb than Mixon for sure. I'd rather have Adams and Allen for sure. You probably lost C minus. C minus, you give it what? Oh, I don't really give grades. I just say that the it trade says is grade the trade. Okay, so you don't like it, and you so give if it I don't C-. like it, I'll give it a D. Uh, I'm gonna don't like it. I'm gonna give it a D also. I don't not like this trade also. So he says he likes Chubb more than Dixon, but couldn't get him without moving Adams. Another trade that he made was he traded David Johnson and got back. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I got, got it back in front of me. Tevin <laughs> Coleman, Cooper Cup, a 2020 third round pick. As well, hmm. so uh, that's a that's an interesting haul for David Johnson. Yes, Brian is making a lot of trades, uh, but the one that matters: Devontae Adams and Joe Mixon for Keenan Allen, Nick Chubb. We don't love it, so hopefully it does work out in your favor. Uh, this is from JT in New York. Dear Adams, handcuffs. That's funny. We've never gotten that one before, so we are apparently Adams backups. Mm-hmm. Uh, full PPR league, keep three. What are your opinions on keeping a running back handcuff combo? I currently have. Uh, Aaron Jones in the 7th, Jamal Williams in the 10th, and Matt Breida in the 13th, and Jarrett McKinnon in the 15th. Would you consider keeping a pair of running backs? So I'm going to guess the question is, would you keep Jones and Williams with one of the 49ers or keep the 49ers guys with most likely Aaron Jones? That's what it boils down to. That's what I think it boils down to. I don't have a problem keeping two running backs on the same team if the value is good. I think the value is great on those 49ers. It's amazing on the 49ers, but we'll see how healthy McKinnon is. I don't think it's so bad on the Packers either. Aaron Jones Uh, is going to be a... Top 35-ish right, so, pick. So I guess the question would become, which is the three best running backs to keep of these four? Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones in the 7th, Jamal Williams in the 10th, Matt Breida in the 13th, or Jared McKinnon in the 15th? Can I, you can you look anybody in the eye and and say with confidence that Matt Breida is going to be a dynamic, week-in, week-out superstar running back in the NFL? Can you say that about Jamal Williams either? And he's three rounds more expensive. I'm throwing Williams back. I would probably throw Williams back also and keep Aaron Jones. If I had to keep a combo, I'm keeping the Packers combo because Aaron Jones isn't exactly the picture of perfect health either, and I'd keep McKinnon. If I had to keep three of these four, it's both Packers and McKinnon. Okay. I'm going to keep the 49ers and Jones. Heath is going to do the same. Could we Um, just keep Jones and McKinnon and save the pick? Uh, I don't have a problem with Breida in the 13th round if McKinnon's not 100% healthy. He showed us a lot of good things when he was healthy this season. Um, all right, Mark wants to know, uh, where's Mark from? Oh, well, he would be from Wells, Somerset, England. Okay. It's Mark, Shire County. Mark from Wells, Summer, Somerset, England. Uh, shout out to the CBS gang for helping me win my first title in my super competitive keeper league. The same two guys had won five of the past seven years. I know it's super early, but already dealing with some keeper conundrums. It's just a standard one quarterback league, but running backs are considered a premium since all the top ones are usually kept and tend to go early in the draft. I mortgage the future this year, so don't have a first, third, or fourth round pick. There's no draft pick associated with the players I keep. My dilemma is who to keep two out of the following four. DeAndre Hopkins, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, 
and Travis Kelsey. So keep two out of the four players, Hopkins, Mixon, Chubb, and Kelsey. Does not have a first, third, or fourth round pick, though, uh, and this is a standard league. I'm going Chubb and Hopkins. I am, too. Uh, part of the reason why is because I think I can get the most in trade for them, uh, maybe even on draft day, to pick up some extra players so my team isn't so That's weak compared to everybody else. If he's allowed. Well, maybe you can trade after the draft. But, y- you know, Mark, you shot yourself in the foot when you traded away all those draft picks. Well, you, you won the title. Won. That's not So yourself, now you're but... paying for it. That's all. All right. So you're keeping Hopkins and Chubb? I am. Both of you? Yes. Um, you got to keep Hopkins. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Hopkins and, and Chubb, although Mixon's not bad either uh, as well. But yes, you're getting still two studs. And even though you don't have your first couple of picks, you still should have the chance to maybe get somebody good in the second round. And then hopefully you're still good with those two keepers. All right. Our last email comes to us from Jaron. Uh, where's Jaron from? Secaucus, New Jersey. Okay. From Secaucus, New Jersey. It's full PPR league. Would you keep Aaron Jones in round 10 or Kenny Galladay in round 15? And Jaron's a little bit concerned about Aaron Jones' knee injury sustained last year, as you guys alluded to, not the picture of health. Yeah, I think you can be concerned just about his injury history. Round 10 still a great value for him. I'd love to keep Aaron Jones in round 10, but I'd rather keep Kenny Galladay in round 15. I'll take Jones. I think I'm going to take Jones out of Galladay in drafts. It's but five, five rounds, rounds difference? Five rounds difference. It's late either way. What difference does it make? I'm taking Kenny Galladay in round 15. That guy could be a star, as he showed us last year in PPR, where Aaron Jones is not exactly the uh, most used wide receiver out of the backfield in Green Bay, or in any team for that matter. And we'll see how that changes with Matt LaFleur as the head coach. So hopefully everybody enjoys the AFC and NFC championship games this weekend. We'll be back next week to break it down and also get into some of our uh, mock draft that we recently uh, took part in. So for Dave, for Heath, I'm Jamie. Gotta go back. Na, 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 na.